0: You're listening to the Marketing Rescue Podcast, the weekly show where we take a look at some epic marketing failures, along with some pretty amazing brand rescues and comebacks. And now your hosts, Nico and Chad. Hey, Chad. Yeah. How can we learn from history? How can we learn from history? That's probably... (laughs) 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 <laughs> the quintessential question of our time right now, because we tend Especially to not... know. Right oh, yeah. We have to keep making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. I don't know. That's a good question. There's a really cool article
1: that I found on ArcadiaPublishing.com where they talk about the six things you can learn. History helps us develop a better understanding of the world. That's very relevant right now. History helps us understand <laughs> ourselves. Very relevant now, too. History makes us learn to understand other people. That's not relevant in today's day and age. History teaches a working understanding of change. Is things changing right now?
0: Nothing but change. I haven't looked at the news today. (laughs) (laughs) It's like they say, the only constant is change.
1: Yeah, exactly. It gives us the tools to be a decent citizen. And lastly, it makes us better decision makers.
0: I agree 100%. (laughs)
1: Well, the story we're about to talk about today, I wish they agreed with you too. <laughs> I wish they figured that out. <laughs> so are you guys keeping up? You doing all right? Four or five months now, I haven't seen you in person. I see every single day via video, but I haven't seen you in person yet.
0: Yeah, it's been a long time. It's been too long. I'm cautiously excited with some of the things reopening, you know, that we can actually get out and maybe have lunch together one of these days.
1: Yeah. How are you guys preparing for the flying sharks that's coming in July?
0: <laughs> well, you know, Shark Week and NATO is is such a big deal over here that I'm just expecting something to happen, whether it's nuclear bombs inside of sharks or yeah. who knows what, something's going to be coming. <laughs> it's 2020. Then we have the
1: election to look forward to as well in November, so we've got an action-packed 2020 ahead of us.
0: <laughs> Get out your bingo cards. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So let's dive into today. Interesting story, right? We talked about what you can learn from history. And I think the marketing team and the executive team of this company did literally just the exact opposite and chose not to learn anything.
0: Yeah. So let's actually start with a little bit of history. In 2005, two Stanford students developed a new e-cigarette product they called Plume. In mm. 2007, they form a company to manufacture and sell their e-cigarettes but it took them a little while to get going. And eight years later, they changed the name of their product and their company. The company became PAX Labs and the e cigarette. You want to take a stab at guessing the name, Nico? Jewel. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was Jewel. So in the summer of 2015, founders Adam Bowen and James has launched the Jewel electronic cigarette brand. In fall of 2017, the newly named Jewel Labs had 200 employees. And by the end of the following year, they had 1,500 employees. So the company is valued at $15 billion at this time, following a $650 million investment round.
1: Sure. In December 2018, Joule sold 35% of the company to Altria one of the world's largest manufacturers of cigarettes, formerly known as Philip Morris Company. And this 35%, they sold for $12.8 billion, 35%. So that's a lot of growth from 2017 to 2018, 2019. It's explosive. It's crazy, yeah. At the time, that revenue, I think it was about $2 billion per year. And Wells Fargo set the evaluation for $38 billion in 2018. Wow. To celebrate their deal, Atria gave Jewel a two billion dollar bonus to distribute among their fifteen hundred employees, which is one point <laughs> three million dollars per person. What?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. That is insane. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's no wonder we see what we're about to see in the story that we're about to unfold because there's so much money being tossed around. And yeah, it's definitely the greeds get greedier. (laughs) It's unfortunate because you would think that, geez, you know, $1.3 million, that's got to be enough. But I think as we've seen time after time, it's never enough. And that's how greed works. It doesn't matter if you have a million, a billion. Yeah, there's always a hunger for more. So This sounds like just, hey, it's another amazing Silicon Valley success story and potentially a brand that is maybe even doing something good, reducing cigarette smoking, which is the number one killer. No, no, it doesn't. It sounds like Purdue. (laughs) Sounds very familiar. I agree with you. The more
1: money companies make, the more greedy they tend to get. And by the end of 2017, Juul was the most popular e-cigarette in America. A year later, Juul controlled 72% of the entire e-cigarette market, which is massive. Public sentiment was growing in favor of e-cigarettes as a helpful and potentially less harmful alternative to smoking, because smoking is still a huge problem in the US. And many people saw e-cigarettes as a legitimate offering in the smoking cessation market, a new addition to the lines of patches and gums that could help people break the habit. But US regulatory agencies, including the FDA, had significant concerns about who exactly was using this product. And that's where the cookie starts to crumble. Mm -hmm. So to understand their concern,
0: we have to go back even further. We've got to go back 20 years. So in 1997, the FTC files a lawsuit against a company called the R.J. Reynolds Company, Mm -hmm. the owners of Camel Cigarettes. And this lawsuit, of course, was for specifically marketing to children with the Joe Camel Mm -hmm. cartoon campaigns. Mm -hmm. So quoting from a New York Times article from that period, the agency asserted in an administrative complaint that the company violated federal fair trade practice laws by promoting a lethal and addictive product to children and adolescents who could not legally purchase or use it. So earlier that year, the Liggett Group, makers of the L&M and Chesterfield cigarette brands, had acknowledged that the industry actively targeted minors in their marketing because they knew almost all habitual smokers started as teenagers. So R.J. Reynolds was eventually fined $15 million, and a Kansas district court said the company was highly blameworthy and deserving of significant punishment.
1: So they fined them $15 million, significant punishment? That was like...
0: <laughs> a slap on the wrist, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the results of these and other lawsuits is that over time, things started to snowball and pick up, and then we start to see significant prohibitions on the marketing of tobacco to minors. And as a result, teenage smoking had been on the decline for decades leading up to Juul's rise around 2015 Mm -hmm. and then that big upward swing in 2017 and 2018. So Juul has this opportunity in front of them for at least what they think at the time would be actually growing into a potentially more healthy market, potentially be a force for good to help reduce cigarette dependency for people who are addicted to nicotine mm-hmm. and kind of transfer that dependency over to what kind of the general public and possibly jewel at that time thought was a safer mechanism for nicotine delivery.
1: Yeah, it's like a key inflection point. Right. They could have learned what happened to other tobacco companies because ultimately they're in the same space, right? Yep. Might be a different product, but it's a product innovation within the same market audience for that matter. But they chose not to do that. They literally chose not to do that. So an October 2018 study found that 9.5% of teenagers the age of 15 to 17 and 11% of young adults ages 18 to 21 were actively using Juul. So just think about that for a Mm. second. That's 10% of all kids between the age of 15 and 17 Mm. are using their product. And that teenagers 17 to 15 were 16 times more likely to be Juul users than 25 and 34-year-olds. The same study said that one in five students between the age of 12 and 17 had seen Juul being used in their school. Mm. So these kids were actually starting to use the word Juuling to describe e-cigarette use. So it's very similar to like Q-Tex, nail polish. They turn the brand name into a verb, and the only time that happens is when it's getting used over and over and over that they associate that with. So why were kids increasingly using Juul and other e-cigarettes during this time?
0: Right, well, I think it's clearly because they didn't understand the risks. A 2015 Stanford University study analyzing adolescents' perceptions of risks and benefits of conventional cigarettes and e-cigarettes found that some of the participants actually believed that e-cigarettes did not contain nicotine, only water vapor. And I have to admit, when I first kind of saw Juul in particular, I actually thought because of the way that they were marketed that there was nicotine-free versions Yeah. because so many kids were using them. And that's like the whole crux of why this is, is so crazy is that they didn't know what the risks were and still marketed them as if they did know what the risks were and marketed them as a supposedly safer alternative to cigarettes. So their early marketing efforts, just to kind of paint the picture, is they're using a lot of digital media, especially social media. They have these images and themes with young people and, and they spend thousands of dollars to promote Juul as a smoking cessation tool to kids in schools. So let's actually just listen to a clip from this CBS News article that talks about how they actually started marketing towards kids. Children as young as eight years old were targeted by Juul online and through summer camps, according to a congressional investigation. The company spent more than $200,000 to sponsor so-called wellness camps. Summer
1: camps. Seriously?
0: (laughs) Summer camps.
1: Oh, man, that's horrible.
0: Yeah. Oh, man.
1: This is kind of near and dear to our hearts because we two dads and we've got little kids. And imagine like they come back from like a summer camp and they're dueling all of a sudden and you find out a company actually promoted it while they were on the camp. I'm thinking like burning stuff down at this point. Yeah. (laughs) I would be so mad. I would be so angry.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that happens in our school district is in fifth grade, the kids all go on a one week science camp and it's like this kind of rite of passage. It's the first kind of like overnight camp kind of thing that the kids in in the district do. And so everyone's super excited to go on the science camps. Like imagine if they come back from this first trip away as a fifth grader. Right. Yeah. And Unfortunately, Jewel is actually targeting kids as young as third grade. that's crazy. So let's listen to this clip about that.
1: It's um, very popular. A lot of kids do it. In fact, roughly one in five high school students admit they have tried vaping last year. And according to the National Institute of Drug Abuse, seven out of 10 teens are exposed to e-cigarettes through ads. I see them in a lot of like YouTubes that are that's like showing on videos for teenagers, so it's really like targeted to us, in my opinion.
0: Oh, geez, yeah. I mean, when you're targeting children as young as eight and running YouTube ads against teen videos, it's it's just deliberate.
1: Yeah, and say everything you want to say about marketing kids, but if your tactics. Our marketing kids. I mean, I don't know how. <laughs> right. I mean, not, not only that, and also their products, right? So they're, in the US, there are two different types of cigarette flavors you can buy, nicotine and menthol. And that was put into place by the FDA years back with a whole Philip Morris big tobacco lawsuits and went on. So Jewel had not anymore but they had these crazy yeah flavors candy milks and cookies candy floss slush poppy and just think about that if you're a chain smoking adult you're not going to start sucking on a cookies and cream jewel vaping usb stick <laughs> That goes against what they were saying they were doing, but their actions were speaking very differently. It's disgusting. Yeah,
0: well, and the tactics worked. They were very, very effective. So from 2017 to 2018, the CDC reports a 78% surge in vaping among high school students. It's now 4 million high school students, one in every five that are actually Mm -hmm. vaping at this point. From one company, one company
1: can, I don't want to use dramatic words about destroying a kid's future, but it can drastically impact that kid's future.
0: Yeah. And Jules says that their mission is to simply reduce cigarette smoking amongst existing cigarette smokers. Existing adult smokers. Right. (laughs) But that message has clearly been called into question for right and obvious reasons. So in 2017, the CDC says it's unclear as to whether e-cigarettes are even as effective as getting people off of cigarettes as proven FDA-approved therapies like patches, gum, and lozenges. So now there's this debate of, okay, well, even if there is some value to getting people off of the cigarettes and onto a different delivery mechanism, it might not even be as effective as a patch. So what's the point? And while some people might think that vaping might be safer than smoking, there's still a huge lack of research about the long-term health impacts It still contains nicotine. The juice packs ingredients are often unknown and contain chemicals like we saw this last year with all of these kids getting sick. Yeah.
1: It's like vitamin D or
0: C or something laced
1: with it or something weird they couldn't explain for a really long time.
0: Right. Yeah. And, And so you just don't know what you're getting and it's just dangerous.
1: Yeah, Dr. Robert Jackler, a Stanford University researcher who co-founded a group that really rolls of your tongue, the Stanford Research into the Impact of Tobacco Advertising, or the acronym also rolls of your tongue, STRITA, <laughs> <Spreita>. <laughs> they, they, they really, really dug into this. And they maintained an archive of all Juul's deleted social media posts. And I say deleted because Joule deleted at this point, all their social media accounts, two and a half thousand tweets, 400 Facebook posts and Instagram posts. And this is definitely a theme that we see on the show about when a company starts deleting their social media platforms and their content, something's up, right? We've seen that (laughs) multiple times right now. Yes. So material from Jules' websites, emails, print campaigns, dating back all the way to 2015. And Jacqueline said that they clearly targeted the youth. Especially in the early 2015 and 2016, they used attractive models socializing and sharing the Jewel device. A Forbes article by Kenrit Kaya says Jewel contracted advertising agency Grit Creative Group to identify social media influencers aiming to recruit users with at least 30,000 followers to establish a network of creatives to leverage as loyalists for its brand, according to an internal email. And when we think of who is being influenced by influencers on social media, who are those? Old people trying to quit smoking or?
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, the the thing is, is on Instagram, the minimum age to create an account is 13. So that's the problem is social media is in general, um, especially with influencer marketing on platforms like Instagram, you can't control what ages are going to be interacting with your content and how it's going to be perceived. And especially if you position it towards the younger end of the demographic spectrum, which they were with a minimum age of of 25, the influencer marketing campaign was supposed to be adults 25 to 34 you're just butting right up against that younger demographic. But that is also the platform. It's then what you do with your creative
1: on the platform, which I think was like, in my mind, the nail in the coffin here. So they used teen-oriented clothing and music, and they used hashtags and partnered with youth-oriented brands. But I think the thing that really shocked me when I was doing the research for this is this Instagram ad that we found. Why don't you talk us through that?
0: Yeah. So this is actual copy from an actual influencer ad that actually triggered a lawsuit from the Massachusetts attorney general. And it reads, mom, it's a USB drive.
1: Uh, and we'll put this image, this ad in the show notes. It is literally a USB drive. It looks like the one end is got a plug, the male plug of a USB adapter. And the other side is the small little, what looks like a USB drive, but it's the actual dual device. So I ask you, Chad, mom, it's a USB drive. Who's that targeted towards? This is just mind blowing to me. This is why I just feel like they didn't learn from history and they made the conscious choice to market to kids.
0: Right, and so let's read the second from the top comment on this Instagram post. And it says, I told my dad that about my old jewel and he actually fell for it, LOL. Mm right? So it's obvious what's going on here, who they're interacting with, how they're pushing it forward. And from a product marketing perspective, it's not just the ads, it's also the way that they've actually physically designed the products and partnered with juice companies to design products that look like highlighters that you would use at school, pens, lipsticks. They have these cartridges that the box looks like it would be an actual box of cookies.
1: Yeah, and there's also one that looks like a milkshake, right? It's the actual
0: thing looks like a cup of milkshake that you suck it from. Right, yeah, the actual shape of it. And it has one of those little plastic lids that, you know, the, the stuff goes through, you know, when you're at the 7-Eleven and you yeah, do yeah. one of those slushies. So it's very, very carefully crafted and designed to appeal to children.
1: Yeah, you know, this is really what blows me away because we spend so much time in coming up with marketing strategies for our clients, trying to solve complex problems, right? Yep. And the process that it happens is we all get together, we have a brief that somebody put together, it's got key insights in it, and we beat it up and we come up with a strategy that's measurable, executable, that's within the budget, the time, everything that we do, right? So somewhere, a group of people were sitting down, and they were brainstorming this. Right. How can we make our product to appeal to a 14-year-old? What can we do? And I just, I really struggle to comprehend that.
0: And then to take it a step further, the brief had to also say, in order to get these kinds of products, it had to have in there, and how do we make it such that you can hide it from your parents? Yeah, with things like highlighters and usbs and lipsticks then it led us back
1: into the overarching communication strategy the bigger thing is what we say to the general public about our products and how we say that we gear it towards adults that we want to help stop smoking it it is just it is just sinister but luckily in the us we have the fda that come after people like this and my wife listened to the Purdue episode the other day and she asked me, why did the FDA not do anything? <laughs> it was just, you know, and, and it's very similar year as well. The FDA yeah. didn't come down to the aggression that I would have expected from them in this circumstance.
0: Right. And I think we see the FDA start to step in in this situation in 2017, which I think was also late to the game. Yeah. And it's still an ongoing situation where there's still ongoing back and forth with Juul. But as there starts to be this outcry from parents who are starting to really have a lot of problems with their kids because of this, you know, there's multiple lawsuits that are now being filed by parents of underage users claiming that the company is deceptively marketing the products as safe and targeting underage users and also targeting non-smokers, which is a big part of calling Juul's bluff on their messaging and they claim that Juul is as addictive or even more addictive mm. than cigarettes. So part of this is that Juul's proprietary nicotine salt formula enables higher nicotine absorption into the body than traditional cigarettes or other e-cigarettes that use nicotine liquid. Mm. So not only (laughs) is it marketed to people who wouldn't normally have developed nicotine addictions or had any sort of relationship with nicotine, but it's a more addictive form that's going to cause mood swings and a lot of behavioral problems. It's just what you need in a teenager. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly what you want when you're trying to get a a 15-year-old successfully through high school. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. So many observers
1: during this time, they saw the similarities, the eerie similarities, both in Juul's advertising and the regulatory response. An article last year in the San Francisco Chronicle detailed one teen's journey to tobacco addiction and her family's attempt to hold Juul accountable, stating that, quote, mounting lawsuits against Juul, reminiscent of early tobacco legislation, Getting back to the brief, usually in the brief there's like background and research, right? Right. So what was the research here that, hey, we're going to just try to do what Big Tobacco did? We're going to try to land ourselves in exactly the same spots? You you said earlier when we started, you said they had a choice. They could have delivered on their promise, trying to get people, smokers, away from actual inhaling smoke that causes cancer. And they just decided to go after children. This is mind-blowing to me. It has to get back to greed. That's got to get it back to the money that they're making.
0: Yes. And the fact that there is a systemic problem in that when we look back at what happened within the tobacco industry, a $15 million fine is not a deterrent. No. Oh. There is no multi-billion dollar corporation throwing around... million bonuses to every single employee that is going to be deterred by a $15 million fine. That's like planning for your taxes.
1: You put it aside, you know, it's going to come and and it, it doesn't break your company.
0: It's considered a cost of doing business. Yeah. It's disgusting. And that's part of the problem. Yep. But the regulatory scrutiny is heating up. And in 2019, House Democrats requested internal documents from Juul as a part of an investigation into the broader epidemic of teen vaping. Representative Raja krishnamurthy from Illinois is the chairman of the House Oversight Subcommittee on Economic and Consumer Policy, requested documents relating to Juul's social media practices, their research on Jules' impact on health, and the deal with Altria as part of the investigation.
1: Yeah, so their response, Jules' response, Hey,
0: hey, hey, your dog's name is Jules. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just realized
0: that's, that. Yes, well, that's what happens when you have three little girls, and your wife and your girls get together to decide what the name of your dog should be.
1: Which is also a female. Yes. Crazy.
0: Crazy. You should have gotten like a pit bull or something. <laughs> and the name jewels is like rubies and diamonds.
1: Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs>
0: so a little bit different.
1: Anyway, in response to the FDA crackdown, the company announced that they would be using real, real customers in their ads versus models which is maybe a good move because these models are like super young and it just looked like teenagers using their products. In late 2018, Juul shut down their social media accounts. And again, that's massive warning signs when that happens. In 2019, Juul agreed to make changes to its youth advertising practices as part of a settlement with the Center of Environmental Health. It states that the Center can sue Juul if they violate any portion of the agreement. The agreement states that Jewel will not, and there's like a few different things, advertise or promote its products in media with audiences that are 15% or more under the age of 21. Market or advertise on social media, except Jewel's age restricted
0: YouTube channel. So hang on. So they can still promote its products to children as long as not. 15% or more of the audience's children? They just can't get caught. And if they get caught, they might get sued. We have the option to potentially do something about it, but we're not really committing to anything. It's
1: a little bit of a gag order. You know, if you do this,
0: this might happen. That's interesting. Okay. So yeah, I mean, basically they say that they are not supposed to use models under the age of 28 and that they cannot advertise within a thousand feet of schools or playgrounds. (laughs) because apparently that was a thing. Yeah, or summer camps. That's ridiculous. Oh, man, it's crazy. So you can't sponsor or advertise at sporting events or concerts that allow people under the age of 21. You can't pay for or permit company employees or contractors to appear at school or youth-oriented educational programs. This really sounds like a joke, doesn't it? Just the fact that this is even needed, right? Yeah. You can't continue to use the terms adults-only or not for use by miners, which actually has been shown to entice miners to use Juul products. And they have to replace that with the phrase, the sale of tobacco products to minors is prohibited by law. Mm. You can't allow unlimited purchase of your products anymore. You have to set clear limits on bulk sales. And lastly, the settlement requires that Jewel has to continue its secret shopper program with specific rules on actions the company must take if a store sells a product to a Jewel secret shopper without asking for proof of age. So the fact that this exists...
1: It's not surprising that Jewel continues to play both sides. <laughs> the fact sure. that this is even put in place. In the response to the lawsuit, Jules spokesman, and not your dog Jules, Jules spokesman said, "Jewel Labs do not believe that the case has any merit and will defend it vigorously. This is an article in the Forbes magazine. The company also made more prominent warnings. They launched an educational campaign, This is such a joke, called What Parents Need to Know About Juul. And this was supposed to combat the underage use. And let's actually play a quick clip here from the CEO talking about just this. Hello America, I'm Matt Stool, CEO of Juul, the makers of America's favorite electronic cigarettes. We've recently come under fire for our advertisements targeting young children. And as the face of this company, I just want to tell you, we are so sorry. We would never, market for the developing brains of America's future. Because bottom line, that's what children are. They're our future. So, as a special apology, we would like to issue all Jewel users a free pack of our expanded flavors. That means you get Cherry Berry Unicorn, Blue Raspberry Rainbow, and Minecraft. Okay, so you can see he clearly doesn't take this seriously. <laughs> I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, as a, as a marketer, this is just like ridiculous to me that this even exists. But what's even more ridiculous is that that is not the CEO. That, that is a spoof <laughs> by College Humor. But anyway, sorry, I couldn't resist. Let's let's listen to a real interview of the CEO. I think it was on the CBS Morning Show. Just take a quick listen there. People say Jewel is toxic. Is it the product or the company? Interesting that you would you would ask uh, the product. We toxicology test all of our products. So when people say the long term effects of vaping are not known, that's true. That's true. That's a true statement. Yeah, he's right. The fact that he answered the company or the products is telling. And during this time, they knew that it was toxic. It's public right now, but there's no no way that in 2019, August 2019, the CEO of the company. I had no idea this was toxic and they were marketing to children.
0: Right. And, you know, when you listen to the entirety of this interview, it's pretty clear that he knows what's going on. He doesn't really try to defend it. He just kind of says, yeah, yeah, I see why people think that's problematic. Yeah, I see why people think that's problematic. And he doesn't really have any response, really, for question after question that's posed to him.
1: We'll include the interview in the show notes as well.
0: So let's actually play another clip from that interview. But fair to say, if you, if you knew this to be a, a toxic
1: or dangerous substance, you wouldn't be selling it? I can't imagine. We had the data to support that we're selling a product that is damaging to the American public and we had that data that we'd continue to sell that product. The reason I have to ask is because the tobacco industry doesn't exactly have a great track record when it comes to telling the truth to the American people about what they're selling. Yeah, there is a lot of association that comes with that. Later on in the interview as well, we won't play it now. He asks him about, do you think that people might not trust you because you got this billions and billions of dollars from Altria, the Philip Morris company? And why did you do that? And he just said, because we discussed it as a leadership team and we felt it was the right thing to do for the company because we'll have access to all this money in their distribution centers and... It is just from the outside looking in, from a marketing perspective. This is really just disgusting. It is just blatant lies and destroying kids. It's just disgusting. I find it really, really disgusting.
0: Yes. <laughs> well,
1: I don't know how to say it. It, it, just, it, really, it really just annoys me. This it, is one of right. those episodes that we're going to walk away from, and I'm going to be depressed for the next two days, like I was with Purdue. <laughs> right, right. So the next one needs to be uplifting and a great comeback story, child. I, I agree okay? with
0: you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good plan. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can just tell that they know what they're doing and don't care. So Jewel co founder Monsees said, Underage use is an issue we desperately want to resolve. Any underage consumers using this product are absolutely a negative for our business. We don't want them. We will never market to them. Mm. We never have. And they are stealing life years from adult cigarette consumers at this moment. And that's a shame. So early last year, Juul announced a $10 million advertising campaign targeting current adult smokers and trying to rebrand Juul as a product to help people switch. In March... Juul started pitching itself to employers and insurers to help their employees stop smoking cigarettes. This enterprise-level B2B campaign offers discounts and personal coaching, along with support videos to participants. In September, the US FDA warned Juul to stop its deceptive marketing practices. Stop, stop, stop.
1: They warned them. They warned them. They got a warning.
0: After all this, after
1: All this stuff, all the marketing, the lawsuits, the FDA warned them. September of 2019. I don't know, man, I don't know. We work with the FDA a lot and it's such a laborious process to send our creative through it. And you know, there are hoops we jump through and you've got a company that blatantly markets to children and they get a warning.
0: Right, well, and the thing is, as you mentioned, Deleting your social media accounts is usually a bad sign, a sign that if you ever get to the point where you think, ooh, we may need to take our accounts down, there's a problem, but that problem isn't solved or resolved by taking those accounts down.
1: Yeah, and actually a month later, they stopped all marketing in the US, voluntary, right? They just like pulled the plug and they continued marketing in the UK, I think, but now there's multiple lawsuits going on with them there as well. So, Dr. Jackler from Stanford, the gentleman I talked about earlier, he said that Jule's social media reach has lasting repercussions. As in November 2018, the company's premier hashtag, hashtag Jewel, had been used 260,000 times in Instagram posts.
0: See, and those posts aren't getting deleted only Jules' account got deleted, but all those hashtag posts are still up. And I wonder
1: which percentage of the 260,000 are underage kids versus adult smokings trying to quit. Right. So Jules says that 99% of all social media content related to the company is generated through, to your point, third-party and I quote, third-party users and accounts with no affiliation of the company. I've built a company around that. It's called influencer marketing. (laughs) You can't... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, you, you can't you can't say, Oh, we don't we don't create the content. It's these third-party content people, they've got zero affiliation. That's just disgusting.
0: Yeah, it's called talking out of both sides of your mouth. So their network of social influencers creates this massive unpaid peer-to-peer impact that, you know, is obviously still going on, doesn't stop just because the campaigns have ended. Jackler says turning off their social media channels is likely to have at most a limited effect and recommends that the products simply be pulled from the market. So the founders of Juul continue to stand behind their product. Just last year, co-founder James Monsees said in an article in Forbes that he thinks that they can get the technology to a place where no underage consumer can ever use the product. And he sees continuing opportunity. We are 0.5% of the global tobacco market. We've hardly touched the problem we came here to solve.
1: Do you know, when you say we 0.5% of the tobacco market, they are seeing green, they are seeing they've got 95.9% white space available to them. And if the gun industry can't regulate or figure out how children can shoot guns off by accident, how on earth is a nicotine company going to prevent children, 16 year old, teenagers from using their
0: product. It's just... It's laughable.
1: So, man, what have we learned? I feel like we've just been rambling and bashing it, but this is important. The reason why we want to talk about this is because I do think there's some things to learn about this. From a marketing perspective, I think if you don't learn from your past, you're just dead in the water. It's just so funny to me, like the market research we do when we launch brands or when we have huge, massive campaigns is so strong it plays such a big impact on our strategies that we come up with so i'm just surprised they just completely ignored that and again i just think that it's just purely based on greed they were starting to make so much money and they just wanted to get more and more and more and then the final thing for me is don't market to kids period and i think we should do an episode around the ethicalness of marketing towards children i i just for me personally i just think there's no place in the marketing industry to market anything to children
0: zero it's a really big ethical discussion because there are so many products that are marketed to children good products bad products the tactics for marketing to children are broad and varied everything from youtube videos to cartoon characters on the cover of a cereal box right and so there are so many different influences on children from a marketing perspective that just like we talk about on a number of episodes that we've covered those influences are very often unknown, undetected and widely present in the lives of of our kids. So it is an interesting topic that I think would be amazing to dive into. And with that, I think that's a good place to end. Keep the reviews coming, everybody. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll talk to you next week. Go and kick you. Kick the habit. You've been listening to the Marketing Rescue Podcast. This show is hosted by Nico Kutsia and Chad Childress, the co founders of KPI Agency, a marketing rescue agency. Be sure to visit marketingrescuepodcast.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, Contact the hosts and discover fantastic furnace content.